remember this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the bible is more like a window than it is a mirror we come to it to see through it and to see god not to it to primarily look at it and see our selves all right so today we are in first corinthians chapter 9 and um you know it, we're in the middle of this discussion about food offered to idols and the Corinthians uh, responsibility, particularly as Christians to lay down their rights, according to Paul, for the good of others. Right. And this being an expression of Christian love. Right. And in first Corinthians nine, I love what Paul does because what he does is, uh, you know, he looks at what he calls them to in chapter eight and he compares that with his very own example as an apostle in chapter nine. He says, am I not free? Am I not an apostle? Have I not seen Jesus our Lord. And are you not my work in the Lord? And if I am not an apostle uh, to others, at least I am to you because you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. So he affirms his apostleship here in the first uh, two verses, but then go down to verse uh, 12. He says, if others have this right to receive benefit benefits from you, don't we even more? Nevertheless, we have not made use of this right to keep using that word. Instead, we endure everything so that we would not hinder the gospel. Of Christ, he uses the Greek word uh, exousia um, six times in this one chapter alone. And as an apostle, he's saying, "No, no, I had the right to be paid, big bro. Like I had the right to get some bread for preaching the gospel, right?" And he says in other places, I think First Timothy uh, chapter five, where he says, "No, no, like you, you have the right to get paid." However, he says, "Even though I had this right, I willingly laid it down out of love, right? As as a, as a specific missionary tactic, so that." You Corinthians who are already skeptical of my authority anyway, wouldn't think I was just in it for the bag. <laughs> that, 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 that this is so that I wouldn't hinder the gospel of Christ. And he's like, no, 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 I did this for the sake of the gospel, right? And guess what? I love it because he, he's clear about that in this chapter. And he continues to say, you know, I had the authority, I had the right, I had the authority, same word in Greek. And, um, you know, he's like, yo, this ain't easy. <laughs> I love what he does. He's like, no, no, like this wasn't, this isn't an easy thing to do, right? And I think his broader point, man, is not just that um, laying out his rights for the gospel and all that kind of stuff uh, in terms of his apostleship wasn't easy. He's saying in general, <laughs> like laying down your rights for the good of another person is tough. So so what he does in his text is so key. He, he uses athletic metaphors, fam, and talks about the discipline and self-control that is needed to actually exercise this stuff in real day-to-day -day life, right? In real day-to-day -day life. And, you know, one of the things, man, um, if you know me, you know, I hooped like my whole life. I played basketball my whole life. And I think in this season of life, I've learned how much sports has taught me. Right. I'm learning how much sports was teaching me all along. And one of the things, man, I learned and it's a simple truth. It's a simple uh, truth, but it's true nonetheless, man, that like anything worthwhile is not going to come easy. Right. Anything worthwhile is not going to come easy. And, and Paul is saying the same thing for our Christian spiritual lives, right? Like the type of discipline and self-control that an athlete needs to train and to, uh, you know, uh, train their body and things of that nature is the same kind of discipline and self-control we need to carry out uh, this laying down of our own rights for the good of someone else in community. And everything in us wants to do what we want to do, right? Regardless of how it affects other people. And Paul is saying, this is not how we run the race of the Christian life. First Corinthians 10, Paul moves on from here. And, uh, you know, while still addressing the current situation, he takes a look back at the past. He says, now, I don't want you to be unaware, brothers and sisters, that our ancestors were all under the cloud, all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in 
the sea. He says, nevertheless, God was not pleased, hear this, with most of them, not all of them, but most of them, since they were struck down in the wilderness. So Paul sees, again, this community and continuity uh, in the same sp spiritual lineage as the Old Testament saints and in the same place, right? In other words, he's like, no, no, like you're in the wilderness, <laughs> like like you're in the wilderness, you're, you're, you're on this journey, you're on this road, you're on this way to your inheritance, just like them and what happened to them was written for us right so in other words experience is not the best teacher as we always say but learning from someone else's experience is particularly the ot saints the old testament saints learn from them and in the midst of talking about food offered to idols he warns them against the actual snare of idolatry look at verse 14 so then my dear friends flee from idolatry so their problem in the wilderness was idolatry and their problem here possibly according to paul could be idolatry and i've often said that idolatry is the fountainhead of all sin and paul is saying here even though you may have knowledge even though you have experienced great blessings they did too and because they were not watchful of their ways they fell into idolatry and he continues in this line of reasoning throughout the passage fam that some of us think no no, no like i know all the right doctrines i know right from wrong i know like what's sin and what's not and paul is saying that very mindset you need to be careful right because anyone who stands needs to take heed lest he fall that's chapter that's verse uh, verse 13 right in other words paul is saying fam and he goes in at the end of the chapter he's like the fellowship and bond that is created around these pagan sacrificial meals is one that creates a bond or a quinonia in the greek a fellowship often with the one they are worshiping analogous listen analogous to the way our our meal of the lord's supper is about the lord right and so therefore the invitation to the meal in a pagan temple where people are eating meals offered to uh demons and and, and all these sorts of things should be abstained from man like i get it it's just food right but at the end of the day like you don't understand our propensity to fall into idolatry right and so to conclude this chapter paul says fam whatever you do no no no, do it for the glory of god right uh when you're thinking about these tough ethical questions and we all face them man in different areas and sectors of life or even if in conversations right how do we think through such things would this evoke the praise honor and worship of the one true god right like that those these are the kinds of questions we have to ask asking ourselves these kinds of questions leads us down the right path imitating paul who did these very things and ultimately an imitation of the christ right first corinthians 11 the problem uh there were, there were, there were problems outside the church right so so um you know cats was doing stuff outside of the when i say church the worship gathering um and, and paul pivots here though to the problems that was going on inside the church right so in 11 chapters 11 to 14 he would talk about things that plague the public worship gathering and paul calls for order as it pertains to things like head coverings lord's supper and spiritual gifts and we don't have time to go into all of them in depth <laughs> however in the first 16 verses uh first 16 verses of chapter 11 you know um the issue uh and scholars debate until they are blue in the face about this stuff uh, what, what exactly all of this means but it's about head coverings right and i think uh what many do agree on though is that uh, paul wants it to be clear in the first century churches uh that there are distinctions between man and women right that there are distinctions between man and woman and that there is this mutual mutual mutuality between the two right where they are uh interdependent 
and you know the roles right that they have within the church so both have roles within the church and he grounds all this stuff in his talk about creation right before the fall before the advent of sin and he moves on from there and at the end of 11 he talks about the lord's supper and many cats are divided over it. now many many scholars have said uh chapter one i think verse 11 uh that there are divisions right the divisions didn't just apply to uh you know church leaders and people being hype about their, their favorite uh pastor or whatever um, but it was also around things like sexuality right and things like the lord's supper and things like head coverings right they were divided over all of these things so he moves on to here and talk about the, the lord's supper and many cats are divided some are getting drunk like wow right so back in this day we kind of think of the lord's supper of this little cup <laughs> and uh wine uh or, or or grape juice a little cup and grape juice but these are actually like real meals and so cats was um wilding out at these joints all kind of foolishness and so paul has to reel them back in he's like fam the fact that this uh you know, he has to say like, the, no, no, this meal is like serious, right? And it was instituted from the mouth of our Lord. And it commemorates the very moment or the very movement, excuse me, of the gospel and the relationship that the gospel creates, this covenantal relationship. And I think, um, you know, I had a professor uh, say in seminary that um, the Lord's Supper is basically covenant theology in action, right? It is us symbolically, right? Taking in the gospel and at the same time, our proclamation of it. Right. So division here for Paul comes back to the fact that they have forgotten who the Lord's Supper really is about. First Corinthians 12, 12 is the last chapter of this bunch. And here uh, Paul now shifts to spiritual gifts, a topic he will stay on for the next few chapters. And here he says, like, no, 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 there's one Lord, but there's many gifts, wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, performing of miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretations of tongues. And again, many debate about what all these actually look like in a gathered worship service and good and godly and thoughtful Christians disagree. And I think, honestly, well, that's a fine topic to talk about. Right. I'm not against talking about that. Um, that's not the point, <laughs> like why he's bringing all this up in context. Uh, the reason specifically that he's bringing this up is uh, to say that we have many gifts, but we have one Lord. Now, remember, they are divided. He's like, no, 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 like we have many gifts, fam, but we all serve the same God, right? They're all in service of the same God, right? And they're all giving to us by the same spirit, right? And we have these many gifts, but we are still one body. And so he keeps coming back to this unity thing, right? He wants us to understand that we are one. And the metaphor of the body is amazing because Paul employs it here and he kind of like riffs off um, rhetorically here on it. Um, and, and, and what's so key about the, the body analogy is that, you know, if you think about your body on an anatomical level, only you only find like the parts of your body only find function in relation to the other parts of your body. Right. So in other words, a knee has no function or place without the thigh and the calf and, and the shin and the leg and all that kind of stuff. Right. Same for an elbow or a finger. Right. We can go down the line. And, and so to bring it back to the what, what he's saying is, in other words, our gifts don't operate independently check this, but interdependently, right? We need each other's gifts in the church. And, and, and to, to, to be frank, Paul is trying to get it like, no, no, no. Like they are not more important than the other. None, none, no one gift is more important than the other. We tend to have our favorite gifts, right? Like in the church, like we tend to, to lift up people who can teach or who can preach or who, um, you know, maybe, uh, you know, profound or visionaries or lead, whatever they may be. And, Paul is saying like, that's not even what this is all about, right? This is not like, that's not what this thing is about. And, um, 
you know, like we need, uh, we need each other in the same way that a healthy human uh, has all of the different parts of his body functioning properly to order in order to be a healthy church, right? Big C and small C church. We need every part of the body doing what they were intended to do, right? And my prayer for us today is that we wouldn't lift and exalt one gift as greater than another and not give ourselves over to things that would encourage that line of thinking. Let's pray. God, we ask that you will help us to remember that we are united by the same spirit. God, you are the one God and that uh, we ought to use our gifts not to serve ourselves, but to serve.